does good clever guys hit the follow subscribe button share this with someone who would benefit from it and help us grow as the more we grow the better the episodes we get thanks guys for helping us and let's get into the episode welcome back to this episode of sculptor podcast today we're going through chapter i don't know of relentless and we're honestly pretty close to the end of the book i'm actually pretty excited um thinking about the new year what book am i going to be reading this january january the first the day that i'm recording this hmm there's a few books that i want to read i'm going to go through one every month that's what i typically do but thinking about 2024 what am i going to read there's one that i know that i'm that i'm reading this month but hmm february what are we thinking We've got any book suggestions that I haven't read. And I don't expect you to know what I have and haven't read. But chuck them in the comments. If we've even got that type of engagement. Which we probably don't. But if anyone is listening and whoever cares, then put them in the comments. Because I'm here to see it. Um, I guess let's just get straight into it. Whatever chapter this is. Probably 12 or so, 13 maybe. When you're a cleaner, you'd rather be feared than liked. I wrote in pen. So we're thinking maybe two years ago maybe I wrote this. I said, I don't have this yet. And I still don't think I do. I'd say I am quite a people pleaser. I want people to agree with me. I want to do things of which... um people like so i do have that tendency as i think most humans instinctively would have and you could talk about the reasons why which are probably valid although i just don't like to say because they live it cringe um but i'm sure if you are picking up what i'm putting down and if you aren't i'll explain it to you a little bit when you talk about it on an evolutionary level humans don't want to be ostracized from their groups therefore people pleasing is typically a bit more common than not because you know, nowadays, maybe you won't get ostracized from groups as such, but, uh, which means that you're going to die, by the way. That's why it's bad. Because, I mean, who cares if you're ostracized from a group? But if you die because of it, then um, that does matter. So, because we don't have that um, type of burden on us anymore, people pleasing may be less common. Um, it's a luxury to have to be able to disagree with someone aggressively, you could say. So, you'd rather be feared than liked. All right. Let's see what the notes are looking like. Typically, the last few episodes, there have been a heap of notes. This one doesn't look like there's as many as last, although they're... Oh, it's getting more... Oh. Oh. Oh, it's not great. There's a lot of notes on the end pages, but... All right, let's go. A cleanup wants to beat you when you're at your best. Okay? That's good, because I honestly will say that I don't have that. Um, I, I'm aware of it though, which means that I'm able to become that. But I do shy away from uh, challenges sometimes when I know that I have a high chance of losing. Now, when we talk about my purposeful delusion that I have, should I have that purposeful delusion there? Yes, I should. But I am not perfect and I will have areas of which I say things that I should that that would also translate to me do it. So there will be things of which I will have almost a double standard in because I'm not perfect. And 
on top of that, sometimes getting to that point where I actually am fully um, able to do everything of which I advise people to do or say this is some way of doing it, I also have to get to a certain skill level first because I can have that delusion with, let's say, the skill level as well. So if I actually have a 50% chance of winning, being delusional and saying, no, I'm going to win every single one would help me more than, you know, if I'm at 25% skill level and it's at 25 compared to their 75, that delusion may not even be enough to actually skew me up to a 100% chance of winning or even just majority winning. So it may only get me to, you know, um, 35% chance of winning compared to their 65, but when I'm at 50% skill level and they're at 50% skill level, that 10% makes me win most of the time or however many of the time, um, six out of 10 times. So yes, I'm better off believing that I will win. And that's something that I've, I already know that I, I start to do. I'm like, okay, I'm aware that I may not have the skill level, but I also know that this delusion will help me get there. And although I still might lose, I'm better off for believing that I can. That's the main thing. So maybe I was wrong with saying it's a double stand because I'm aware of it and I still need that uh, delusion that I'm aware of. But if I continue to become more and more delusional and the skill level improves at the same time, eventually that 25% that I started with will end up becoming 60%, 70%, 75%, 85% and continue to grow. That's what that delusion's about. Okay. Old note. Okay. This is in response to something that I have a little bit of confliction with. And it's the cleaner mentality about not forgiving others and not forgetting. Now, take with a grain of salt, just like anything I say, but I've written here, not forgetting what people do when they do something wrong by you and then silently absolutely destroying them. Yeah, okay, that was weird when I said that, but essentially, that's like a very Kobe Bryant thing or Michael Jordan thing to do where, you know, oh, you know, forget, or oh, I don't even know how to explain it. Um, I guess you're in a situation, someone is trying to stir the plot, not retaliating, you then own them on the basketball field, on the basketball court, sorry. You let your actions speak for you rather than your words, I guess. Um, in football, I don't do that, and I can't do that. Maybe that's where I have this disagreement with, because for me, it doesn't work, and other sports it may, or even in football it may, just not my position. Because as a goalkeeper, you can't chase the game. You can't chase results. You are a reactive position, and as much as you can be proactive, you're still being reactive to a, a situation. So... For myself, I have a little bit of conflict there, also on the degree of not forgiving people, but I think that when it talks about not forgiving people, it's not about holding a grudge against them or anything. It's maybe just remembering a specific event of which then is able to use as um, an incentive to then go harder the next time or whatever it is. Uh, but going on that topic, a cleaner is feared and then is respected for doing exactly what everyone feared he'd do. That's pretty powerful. So... He makes no waves. You never know what he's doing. A cleaner moves silently under the surface. I do think that I do that pretty well. And 
I do think that I work in silence. I do think I do best in silence. I quite like the company of my own self, you could say. I do, I would, I'll be the first one to admit that I'm selfish, but I also do believe the things of which I do that are selfish are actually for an... I never wanted to, I, I want to make a video on this in the future, but I don't have the articulation around it and the vocabulary for it yet. A lot of the things that I do think of I typically don't have the vocabulary to actually articulate it to you right now, although I think of it in my head and it makes sense. So when I talk about the reasons why I'm selfish now and so selfish now is because I have a philosophy to where how am I meant to help others if I'm broken myself? Fact. I think that's becoming a more popular thing to say, by the way. So how am I meant to fix others if I aren't fixed myself? If I'm not fixed myself, taking that into consideration, the reason why I'm so selfish now is because if I want to be able to help others or become better and better to then spread a wider message, how can I be someone broken doing that? So if I fix myself, then I'll be able to fix others. Now, fixing others for me is also selfish though because although it's a selfless act sometimes, it's still selfish because what that does is that gives me energy in return. And what I mean by that, it's, it's almost a transactional currency. Now, as much as people don't like to say things are transactional, um, even at its most basic level, speaking to someone and getting a reply is a transaction. So as much as you may think friendships aren't transactional in terms of a cost perspective or whatever it is in terms of you give them this, they give you half back. That's not a friendship. Sorry, that is a friendship. Um, let's say if, if you were giving a hundred percent to a friendship and that other friend gave you nothing back, like zero, zero percent back. I don't think you'd be friends with them because that's not someone who you'd want to be around. So I think that um, now I don't want to go completely onto it because again, this can be heavily misconstrued and heavily misunderstood if you don't get the context behind what I'm saying this. So um, essentially, a friendship will always be transactional, but not in the transactional sense of imbalance. Now, when I think of my best friendships, I can call upon them. And this is what I call an ally, by the way. I can call upon them. They can call upon me. And we don't really speak much about other things in life. I don't even know much about their families. Um, I'm sure if I spent more time with them physically, I would. But also the other thing for me, which is I think an exception to most people, I haven't even met most of my friends in person yet, which is crazy. When I talk about my three closest allies hold up i'd say yeah i'd say my three closest allies i've met only okay i met two of them in person but prior to meeting the other ones in person i'd only i actually had never met any of them and i actually met all of them on linkedin so that's kind of crazy um so val i still haven't met <laughs> so Val, um, I hope to see you in Australia sometime soon because I've been in Germany and you've been in Germany. We just have met each other. Um, but yeah, um, kind of crazy. So selfishness. The reason why I want to help others because it makes me feel good. And that's that transaction. That's the type of transaction I'm taking, what, what I'm talking about. And when, if anyone ever misconstrues what I've said there, this is where you come back to the context. Everything is a transaction on its basis, basic level, if, um, that's kind of, that's a very controversial way of saying it. This is where I say, 
I say this a lot to people who I'm speaking with, um, even in my family, right? I like to think on a deep level, but very often I don't actually have the vocabulary to get myself out of a situation which sounds very surface level because it's not actually transactional. There's a better word for it. I don't know what it would be. There'd be a better way of explaining it. But I'm, I don't mean, I truly don't mean that if you give 50% to a friendship, you need 50% back. No, that's not, that's not true. Therefore, there will always be imbalance in a friendship. There has to be imbalance. That's why I don't believe in balance. What is balance? Um, so there will be friendships where, you know, you give 99% and they give 1%. But if we're talking about it on a the most extreme aspect, where someone gives 100 and the other gives zero, then they're not going to be a friend anymore. But anyways, the reason why I would do something unselfish would be for a selfish reason. And as much as that's an uncomfortable truth, the reason why people do philanthropy or the reason why people help others is not because... Now, empathy is massive. People will have empathy towards others. I have empathy towards others. Um... I like to do things for others out of empathy, but the reason why I do that is because one, that makes me feel like I'm helping them. It is helping them if it is truly, which helps me uh, feel good because they're feeling good. So even that, that's making me feel good. So is that unselfish? Yes, the act is unselfish, but I may do that for a selfish reason. I actually think Mr. Beast said this, which is a really weird quote for me to say, but I think Mr. Beast... Oh, Colin and Samir, a podcast. I think that it was on this. I think Mr. Beast was talking about how he finds so much joy out of giving people resources or helping people, which is inherently selfish, but it's an unselfish act. So everything we do, is it for ourselves or is it for others? And as, as much as it may be for others, are you finding joy out of it? Because I don't know if there will ever be something of which people consistently do over a long period of time if they're not getting anything in back in return for. Maybe there are. I'm sure there's exceptions to the rules, just like there is exceptions to the rules for everything. But I would say on a general basis, most people will do something in expectance of a return. And it doesn't have to be financial. It doesn't have to be time. It doesn't have to be anything. It could be purely an emotion for that person. When you talk about the most selfish, selfless act, it could be giving a million dollars to someone and you get nothing in return but feeling good and for some people that's worth it because they actually get to help others because of that and they feel so accomplished so proud of what they've done to help others because they've made others feel that same emotion of which they have at much a larger scale that was kind of deep common theme of mine but what relevance does that have to the you'd rather be fear than life such a Random topic to go down. But anyways, he'll do everything possible. Knocks him right out of the zone. This is what makes Kobe one of the greats of all time. He doesn't tell you what he's thinking or what he's going to do. He just doesn't. Did I talk about this just before? Thinking about that. Um, I guess... I don't think I did talk about that. Okay, we'll go on to the next thing. One direct silent look that says, I still own this mother effer. Now, I'm not going to swear because... I don't want to swear, but that is something else. One direct silent look that says, I still own this mother effer. All right. You don't have to be loud to focus, to be, fo you don't have to be loud to be the focus of attention. Think of the Godfather, world-class cleaner, the quickest guy in the room, surrounded by everyone else, waiting to see what he would do or say. And he never had to say a word to get his message across. 
a silent killer. They're the best type of killer. I think I've talked about this before, where athletes have a similar mentality as... Will this get me in trouble? Well, I've said it before. An athlete has a similar mentality to like a serial killer, essentially. Um, or anyone who is a crazy criminal. It's just, you know, you've got someone who maybe is trying to be a force for good and then someone is trying to be a force for bad. But if you were to then take those exact same mentalities and put them into the next person, I think they're pretty transferable. Um, I hope that really doesn't get me... That's got to get me in trouble. That's got to get me in trouble. Wow, I should stop making that podcast. The more I speak, the more I get myself in trouble here. I better get rewarded for it because if I don't, then... You know, this imbalance is truly going to be an imbalance. So I hope I do get rewarded for this. Um, anyways, all right. You'll know he's there by the way he carries himself. Always cool and confident. That's a line that Tim Grover loves to use. Cool and confident or calm and collected, I think. That's how he describes Kobe. Everyone wants to share the spotlight. His focus drains into the cameras, not into his performance. I respect him more for his ability to let those medals do the talking. Talking about Michael Phelps. Um, as many athletes have, controversies. The best athletes will not retaliate or do anything of which is uh, resistance to whatever conflict or thing happened. The best will let their skills do the talking. Like Phelps did, Tiger didn't. I don't think completely did. Honestly, I don't know much about Tiger Woods, but I think from hearing what Tim Grover said about Tiger Woods, I can't remember if it's in Relentless or if it's in um, Siri just turned on, by the way, on my iPad. Um, I don't know if it's in Relentless or if it's in Winning. Oh, that's what I should do for the new series, Winning. Although I don't have Winning at home, I think I've still given it away to a friend, so I need to get that back. But, um, essentially, the best will let their results do the talking because they completely neglect Anything else outside of it. Alright. Oh. I don't think Tiger did it. I think Kobe did it with his conflict. Um, early on in his career. Which was a crazy one actually. Yeah. That, I won't talk about that. But that was a hard one to hear. I didn't know about that. About Kobe Bryant. But yeah. Alright. A guy's skill doesn't deteriorate for one game. What changed? Only his frame of mind. He was thinking about playing against Michael Jordan. Alright, yeah, I mean, that comes around pre-narratives, that comes around framing and, and having these things around a specific event. I talk about it, no, I do a lot of it through my CBT work that I've hopefully spoken about before. Um, Alright, just because I don't doesn't mean I can't. Interesting, I think that's probably a Michael Jordan thing to say. Alright, let's see how many faders we've got. Well, we're probably a little bit behind schedule if I'm being honest. I probably got to rush it a little bit. Alright. Here it is. Okay. Tiger Woods. His game deteriorated. The competition stopped worrying about him. Oh, stopped worrying about him. Stop. Crazy. My English. It's not great. The competition stopped worrying about him. He no longer commanded the fear and respect that made him an unstoppable force. Everyone's el everyone else's skills didn't just suddenly improve, but their mental focus did. Athletes spend so much time working on their physical excellence, they sometimes forget that the respect isn't just about what they can do physically. You have to be able to perform intellectually and mentally as well. The way you conduct yourself in all areas of your life. Your ability to show intelligence and class and self-control. Those are the things that separate you 
from the rest of the pack. Mental edge is everything. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Are you learning and studying your craft so you know everything out there or are you content just so your bicep just to show your biceps and hope that earns the respect? What's up with my reading today? And hope that earns you respect in the gym. Now I've written something makes me think about sculpted and when maybe Tim Grover speaks about getting rid of all the things out of keeping that instinct. Ah, okay. I know what I'm referring to here. So when Tim Grover talks about the instinct of which a baby has and, and even just in sculpting, um, these, we're taught, we're, we're born good, taught bad. And we're, with sculpting, we're getting rid of all the bad things, right? We've been trained to, to add all of these things which um, silence us, which, which stop our in, in instincts, right? Babies are the ultimate cleaners. They won't stop crying until they get what they want. They won't stop doing until they get what they want. I won't stop doing until I get what I want, right? Sculpting is getting rid of all that mess because now we know that I shouldn't cry until I get something because that's rude or that's self-centered or whatever it is. That type of mindset has taught, has been taught out of us, okay? Sculpting is coming back to that level at a more refined version. Yeah. If you were coming up to see him play, you were expecting a performance, not just a basketball game. That's referring to Michael Jordan. I heard uh, when you listen to The Last Dance, and again, I've said this numerous times, I always watch The Last Dance. I think every three months, I watch The Last Dance. So maybe actually, maybe every four months, I'd say. Yeah, every four months, I think it is. I think Relentless, it's every four months as well. Um, I do that to stay on top of it. And... In the last dance, it talks about how Michael was a showman. He was a showman. And he knew from the moment he got out of that car, people are watching him. People are seeing the Michael Jordan show. He's got to come up in his automobile. He's got to wear his wristwatch. He's got to wear his nice clothes, everything. It's a performance. It's a Michael Jordan show. All right. Got a few more notes here. Oh my gosh, did I know that was the next page? Alright. Talking about Michael Jordan and his automobile. Talking about Michael Jordan and his wrist clock, whatever it was. Michael wouldn't get behind the wheel of any vehicle that hadn't just been washed. Even if it was raining, the car had to be perfectly clean. Why did he care? Because he knew that those crowds around the stadiums were packed with people who could never afford a ticket to see him. And this was their one chance standing outside in the parking lot to catch a glimpse. For most of his fans, that was as close as they were ever going to get. He was the only player allowed to pull up in his car directly inside the United Center. But he rarely did. He'd always stop first and get out of the car in plain view of the fans so all of those people could see him. And he maintained that cool composure long after the game, win or lose, until he was back in, behind closed doors at his home or in his hotel room where he was free to finally stop and relax. That's when the show ended. Yeah. Um, basically, which what I was saying there takes less than 30 seconds and those 20 fans who saw you will turn into into 200 and then to 2,000 and pretty soon you'll have everyone who has a story about seeing you and now you've touched a lot of lives. That's referring to how MJ would always take time for the fans. All right. 
Hmm. Excellence in everything. Now you're not just another high-paid athlete, you're a class act. And I wrote... Okay, I said, as a cleaner, you have to pick your battles because you can't be a cleaner in all areas of life. Now, I have a very contradictory opinion to what most people think about when they say, the way you do one thing is the way you do all things. I don't agree with that. I'm going to make an episode about that very soon because I don't agree with that. And I've had more thought around that now. I I wrote this to be an idea maybe six months ago for an episode. And the more and more I think about it, and, and what I do typically is I sit on a topic for around six months. I see it out of my general life. I write down what my um, topic idea is, and I want to see it in, in, in real life first before I make a uh, podcast about it. And the ones that I've made previously, it's because I've been thinking about them either you know the past few years or it's led me to thinking about this in a recent time. I did more research behind it. I came with a more uh, informed opinion. But yeah, essentially... The way you do all things, I don't think is how you do all things. I actually don't. And I don't think it should be. But that's another episode. All right. What do we got here? You are your own brand. Yeah. You don't need a $3,000 suit. Go to Walmart. Buy three for 100 But come back looking like a man, not a kid who got kicked out of school. Yeah. Um. All right. I've written... I've highlighted the ultimate showcase to represent yourself. Everything you do here is a reflection on you. What the hell are you thinking? That's why I said your own brand. Um, Every single, every action I take, every way that I look at the camera, every way that I look at myself in the screen, not the camera, which happens way too often, everything of which I do, the way I speak, whether I speak like this, whether I speak like this, whatever I do, it will help you gain a perception of me. So, do I want to be perceived poorly or do I want to be perceived highly? If I think about the way that you may perceive me and then when you see me in person, are these two different people? I hope not. I hope that I'm as authentic and transparent as possible through this medium. Um, And I know that I definitely haven't been in, in times this is the real me but if you've seen me that isn't like this right now then you've seen a much more dulled down version of me and honestly I think many people have seen that version of me because I'm trying to be professional I'm trying to be polite whatever it is um, and sometimes I just need to be me no all the time I just need to be me And this perception, I've curated a false version of reality sometimes, which is not bad, but in some areas it can hinder you. And I was aware of that, but I thought that used to help me. But now through age, through learning, I've actually had more results through just being myself on the football field. Being as loud, as obnoxious as I want to be, and just expressing who I know I feel more free as. And even if that's giving me worse results, at least worse results right now, at least I know that just being me will help me get to the closest, best version of myself. A little bit deep there. But let's keep going. All right. When he suffered the shin injury in 2012 and was forced to miss some games instead of sitting on the bench in sweats or warm-ups, as most players did, he wore these magnificent suits, carried a clipboard. If you don't, if you didn't know better, you'd think he was the most elegant coach in the history of NBA 
off the truck daily. That's how you stand out and set an example. Now you're not just an injured athlete, you're a professional. I also wrote we should do this at one of my previous clubs. And now they do. So that's funny. Um, Alright. Oh, I just ripped the page. That's sad. I've got many. I've got... No, not many. I've got another one of these, so it's all right. When people rip me for being an arsehole or a mother effort and they do to me, it means I'm on a level they can't attain or comprehend. Yeah, I, I do agree with that, actually. When people will... um, It's like a filter. If there's something of which you disagree with, it's probably because you have a degree of prejudice, which is your own um pre... Established, pre-established narrative, which this filter, if anything is contrary contrary to this, you will immediately um not be able to uh if you if you're closed minded enough, then someone of a higher level who is disagreeing with you or maybe expanding on what you already believe, if you are too stubborn, you will not be able to attain or comprehend anything of that level. Not saying that that's me, um, in terms of I'm at that level. I'm not at that level. <laughs> I look at people and, and, and I'm learning from them, right? Um, but yeah, that's just natural wisdom. That's natural uh, sculpting, even. All right. Like is average. It leaves no impact, no heat, nothing memorable. It's like being nice. It's just okay. But it's a million miles from respect, admiration, trust, and, inst- and instinctive connection and understanding that you're on the same wavelength and share the same objective. Yeah, nice or average. These are like the kind of words that offend Tim Grover almost, like saying that you're nice, saying that you're um, average or whatever. Or saying that someone likes you, whatever. These are like almost offensive. It's like, am I really the same as everyone else? Well, surely I got more substance to me. Um, I'd say that's, that's not a bad thing to strive for. I always strive to be the exception good or bad. Uh, I No, I strive to be the exception good. So I strive to be the exception in good. Um, and sometimes while striving for the exception to be good, I will quite often also land in the exception of being bad. But I don't have a problem with that. So the greatest compliment to me is he's an arsehole, but the best at what he does. Thank you. There is no higher praise for a cleaner but then you'd be better than... Gosh. Thank you. There is no higher praise for a cleaner. But then you'd be better. Be the best of what you do, or you're just an arsehole. Can you back it up, or are you just posing? Cleaner Law. The same guy who was worshipped as a cutthroat competitor is also the guy most likely to be called an arsehole by everyone around him. And not just any arsehole, but the arsehole. I'll tell someone... He's the big, he's the biggest asshole I've never, I've ever known. And right away, he points to another guy and says, "He's a bigger asshole." No, he's not. And you didn't get it. I was giving you a compliment. Take it as a sign that you're doing something right. Because if you truly focused on winning, you're not concerned with friendship or compassion or loyalty. You're not worried about how others will judge you. You know what people say about you, and it just drives you harder. Let them hate you. It only shows their weakness and emotion and makes you more powerful you don't need friends your friends need you you know whom you can trust and they better never let you down honestly 
I could say a lot there, but I'm actually just going to leave it at that because that was powerful. And that should be the intro to the episode, actually. So if I remember to put this as the intro of the episode, there you go. See you on the next episode.